compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Hi there. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Uh, 888-914-9149 is the number to be on the air. Love to talk to you. The number, again, 888-914-9149. And you can send me an email at patrick at relevantradio.com. I have a short one, a short and sweet one right here. And this is from Mark, listening in Minneapolis. Hello, Mark. He says, my dad has Alzheimer's. And what if he doesn't remember his sins? What should he do if he has sinned? What resources does the church have for people with dementia or Alzheimer's? Good question. And the good answer is, number one, just remember that the Lord loves him and wants him to be happy and wants to forgive him. So in the case of a person who has Alzheimer's and now can no longer remember things like what sins were, it's enough that the person be sorry for whatever sin. And even that may be difficult to you know, as a concept, perhaps for some people, depending on how progressed the illness is. But the condition of the soul is reliant upon if you are truly sorry for your sins, out of love for God. It is true that we can be sorry for our sins out of fear of punishment, and that's good. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's not salvific unto itself unless you love God and you're sorry for your sins out of love for God, primarily. So the thing to do, if I were in your situation, would be if you can talk with your dad, if he can communicate with you, just say, Dad, um, just want to make sure that we can have a priest come in and hear your confession. Do you remember any of your sins? He may say no. And then say, well, you remember God, right? Yes. Do you love God? Yes, I do. I love God. Are you sorry for any sins that you committed in your lifetime, even though you can't remember them? Yes, I'm sorry. That's enough. That's enough in itself. And it could be, if he's not able to communicate by speech, <clears throat> you could say, Dad, just you know, squeeze my hand. Do you, do you love God? Squeeze my hand if you do love God. You, know, you, know, you get a squeeze of the hand. That kind of thing. <clears throat> so in order to make a valid sacramental confession, what's necessary is so the, it's the confession of sins and the sins that are confessed. That's the matter of the sacrament, your contrition, your desire to be forgiven. And then the form is the priest saying at least the words. The formula is longer, but it would include at the very least, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that would be in a sacramental context. It's not necessary to know with certitude and clarity all the sins that you might actually have committed. And if that were the case, it would be difficult for most people to be able to go to confession because just the way life is and, you know, you forget things, it, it's entirely possible that you could honestly forget something that you did, something serious. Maybe it happened long ago and you sort of buried that thought in your mind. You don't remember it really anymore. So this is why having total recall, as Arnold Schwarzenegger might say, is not necessary for the validity of the sacrament. It's enough that whatever sins you can remember, serious sins, that you honestly give an accounting of them, you honestly confess them, and you don't intentionally hold anything back. If you've forgotten something, you've forgotten it. 
If you remember it later, then you confess it the next time you go to confession. So I hope that gives you a little bit of comfort in knowing that total recall is not required in order to make a good confession. It's the sincere repentance and, and love for God, etc. Now, let's say, let's go worst case scenario. Let's say that because of his advanced illness, let's say the illness is now so advanced that he's unable to go to confession. Maybe he's non-communicative. Pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And the key is that if he is, in, in his heart and mind, if he is sorry for his sins, even if he doesn't have the benefit of going to confession, this too is salvific. So let's say that you have some serious sins on your soul and you die suddenly before you can get to confession. If you have prayed the act of contrition in some form, the formula form is great because it's easy to remember, oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee, that prayer. But even if you don't have an opportunity to say the formula prayer itself, if in your heart you have confessed to the Lord, I'm truly sorry for all my sins out of love for you, that's called perfect contrition. And that is sufficient. So if you were to die suddenly, you weren't able to get to confession, you had mortal sins on your soul, but you had made an act of perfect contrition, you would be saved. You may spend time in purgatory, but you would be saved because it means you were dying in the state of grace. Now, a little addendum to all that, obviously, if you, listening, have a parent who has Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, it's a good idea to just sort of occasionally do like a wellness check. Hey, Dad. Hey, Mom. You know, it's time to go to confession again. We're going to have the priest come over or we're going to be going to the parish church on Saturday would like to bring you with us. Would you like to go to confession? So I wouldn't wait until, not that you're doing that per se, I'm just saying I wouldn't wait until it's really iffy whether or not your mom or dad who has Alzheimer's or some form of dementia can can actually go to confession. So do a spiritual wellness check here and there along the way. That way, the likelihood of somebody not not only falling into serious sin, which becomes increasingly more difficult the more you fall into the, the um, progression of Alzheimer's, the person becomes less and less capable of malice toward God or toward other people, which is a good thing. But at the same time, if you can get somebody to the point where he is saying, yes, Lord, I love you, I'm sorry for my sins, go to confession, and then starts to slip, you can be very confident that that person that you love who has Alzheimer's is in the right state of mind. So that, of course, goes without saying that we should pray for all of the people concerned and do those periodic wellness checks. It's a good thing to do. And tell your children. Everything is under control. <laughs> oh, that's from the movie, is it? Exactly. Total Recall. Hmm. He sounds a little sleepy there, doesn't he? Exactly. <laughs> Cyrus found a new, a new soundboard. Don't be ridiculous. 888-914-9149. A great, by the way, great examination of conscience is available for you on the Relevant Radio app. It's easy. It's quick. It's free. Just go to the App Store, download it, Relevant Radio. It's the number one Catholic radio app in the world. And we've got a great section on prayer, including the sacraments, including the sacrament of confession. So if you're thinking, well, how do I make a good act of contrition? How do I prepare for confession? How do I do an examination of conscience? All those tools are there for you, for free, on the Relevant Radio app. Let's go to Carol now in Petoskey, Michigan. Good morning, Carol. 
morning, Patrick. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, you talked okay. about a good article on the abortion issue, and I'm going to a group discussion next week on that. And I looked on the website, but I couldn't decide which one it was because there are several. Yeah, it wasn't an article. And I noticed a couple other people were a little a little unsure about this as well. It wasn't an article. It was a free e-booklet that in the run-up to um, the March for Life, which was last Friday, uh, anybody who signed up at relevantradio.com slash fast would, you know, and, and, and say, for example, like, here's what I plan to do is a little mortification, fasting, abstinence, or something like that. Um, but to just sign up there, we sent out the free ebook. So that's what I think you're referring to. It's, it wasn't really right. an article, but it, you can still get it. And here's what I would do, Carol. Let me give you a different phone number, okay? And then if you call this number, if you would like to receive it, you still can. Okay. 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 So go, uh, call 877-291-0123. Okay. And whoever Can the I shiny happy that, person uh, is, well, it's not an article. If you ask for an article, they won't know what you're talking about. So it's an ebook. It's an e- there you go. <laughs> it's an ebook, and uh, it'll come to your email address, and, and it will give Thanks. you the kind of here are the things you can say in response to people who are trying to hit you with, a, a, say, a pro-abortion argument. Good. That's exactly what I need. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. I think you're going to enjoy it. My second question is, someone called in recently about um, the book by Sarah Young on Jesus Calling and wanted your opinion on that, and mm-hmm. I never heard the response. Because well, what book I, had... I really enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that call. I think it was last week, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe early this week. And I, I have never read the book. In fact, by the, at the moment when the person asked me the question, I had never even heard of the book. So I, I told the caller I didn't have an opinion because I hadn't read it. So that's what that was my answer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and I want you to know that you've had a huge influence on my life. And I have returned to the Catholic Church, and I'm very grateful for your program. Oh, my. I'm so happy to hear that. Praise God. What a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Before you go, if you don't mind me asking, Carol, um, how did you discover Relevant Radio? And what was it like as you started to listen after maybe being away from, I don't know if you are away from the sacraments for a while, but what was it like when you first discovered us? Um, well, I discovered you on the radio because I listened to the radio in the morning. Okay. And I don't exactly know. Um, obviously, it was a God thing that I found the station, and this was about three years ago. And I have been listening every morning as long as I can um, mm-hmm. ever since. That's great. That's really great. Well, thank you so for taking a moment to share much. that. Well, thank you very much for all you do. You're a blessing to all of us. Thanks so much, Carol. God bless you, too. Cyrus, Exhibit A. See, we have the best listeners on the planet. Relevant radio listeners are the best. There's no doubt about it. There really is no. No doubt about it. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you, Carol. We'll go to Roberto now in Hammond, Indiana. Hi, Roberto. Good morning, Patrick. So the reason that I'm calling is I just want to hear your thoughts or 
recommendations sure. on well, you came to the right place if you want to hear my thoughts this is this oh, is the right place awesome. to do it awesome and so it's basically um the direction that i should go with my career moving forward so just a little bit of a background on me is um i'm a personal trainer Okay. And the reason why I'm a personal trainer is because I was so passionate uh, about fitness. When I took fitness classes in college, it just, my experience was so great. Like, I didn't feel like it was like work for me. It was just something that I just kind of like when I study, I want to learn more. And it just didn't felt like, like a, dr- like a drain or something, like something that yeah. is like, you know, like something that is, oh, I got to go to school. And no, I'm, I was like looking forward to it. And so I entered the, the, the fitness industry as a personal trainer, but noticed when I was first doing personal training, I noticed that it, no matter what I do is that people had a hard time um, doing their exercise correctly. And I felt deep down that I was doing like a disservice for people. And so I felt down is like maybe disservice because you weren't communicating effectively to them. Is that what you mean? Yeah, disservice because I felt like even though I try to correct their movement, it still, for me, was not that great. It's like, I feel like they were going to have an increased risk of injury. So I was like, man, no matter what I do, uh, they're, they're trying. And it's just that they don't seem to get the form right. Okay. And so uh, that back in my mind, it was like, uh, I just don't want them to get hurt and everything because that's going to be falling in my responsibility. And so I resigned from that uh, from that job. And then, I don't know, and then it, it was like a smooth transition. Then I went to the healthcare industry as a rehab specialist, um, I had no idea that I was doing exercises because I thought exercise for me at that point was exercise like fitness to increase your fitness. But mm-hmm. from the healthcare standpoint, it was like a therapeutic for people that were in pain. That therapeutic exercise kind of helps them. Got it. How would you, If I, I assume you want to ask me a question. So how would you boil all this down? Yes. Yeah, so fast forward to now is that I feel now that... Uh, I'm in the same spot that I'm in right now in the rehab is I feel that even though as I get more into that rehab, kind of like more of that physical therapy setting, I feel like I'm doing a disservice because I just don't know what they have in pain. Like I I, I wasn't trained to like what they have uh, pain wise. And I feel like, again, I'm yeah. doing a disservice for, for them. And now I have an opportunity at the fitness industry to kind of like go into personal training. And so my question is, I don't know if I should risk it and pursue this opportunity that I know that the money is going to go down a little bit because I want to start ground zero, but I still feel that passion, like that ignition that I have like learned a little bit more mm-hmm. and you just, just have to kind of like go for it. And that's where mm-hmm. my, my, that's where I'm stuck in like the two roads. Like, which should I take? Should I take the, where, I, where I'm at right now? Or I have I an idea. This unknown. Yeah, I have an idea. Uh, as you're describing, it's becoming clearer to me. So if you genuinely realize that you were ineffective as a personal trainer first time around because you were, for whatever reason, you just weren't getting the points across to the people you were training, therefore they were doing exercises the wrong way, therefore they were open to the possibility of injury, therefore you felt like you weren't really serving them properly. Did I get all that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So it seems to me the thing to do is to say either you are going to improve and you figure out what that looks like. Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe you need a more experienced personal trainer whom you could maybe pay for 
a period of time. Can you can you watch me do this and then give me your critique? What am I doing wrong? How am I how am I not connecting with these people? That's one option, of course. But it, you can make a decision to say you're going to improve and you're going to eliminate that problem. You're going to conquer that problem of not being effective, whatever way you do that. Or you may say, you know, might be nice, but I'm not that passionate about it or I don't want to put in the time. And that's okay. You know, maybe you don't have the time. Um, but you may say, this is not worth the effort. I'll go into something else. But if you think it's worth the effort, sounds like you do, then I think the way to, to make it work is that you have to improve yourself and get better at what you do so that that problem goes away. Does that make sense? Yep. And that's what I was doing during the, that uh, rehab work that I was doing. I took my time out of the work to like learn, went to seminars and all mm -hmm. that. And so pretty much like what you're saying, I kind of improved myself into that position. And so... Was it enough? Did you improve enough that you can step back into it? That's the thing. I don't know. And then there's the opportunity there <laughs> in the fitness that I, I have that maybe I think mm -hmm. it's going to be a good opportunity for me to test the waters out. Yeah. What's holding you back then? I mean, to me, this is like, okay, we'll give it another shot. I'm better at it now than I was last year. I've got more skills. I've got more whatever. I'm going to go back in there. I'm going to nail this. And then you go back in and you nail it. Or you don't. And you say, well, I guess this isn't for me. And then you, you know, then you move in a different direction. But I, I think it's admirable that you want to give it another try. Mm -hmm. But the only way you can know is if you try and succeed or you try and fail or you try and it's mediocre. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah I'll probably uh, consider a little bit. And uh, I'll probably take, probably, most likely I might, might take the risk. If, if, if the doors open the way it, I, I visualize in my head, then probably that's the direction I probably will go and yeah, why not? risk of. And take the Give risk it everything you've got. Hang a slab of beef in your kitchen and punch the heck out of it till you're ready to go back in the ring again. Thanks, Roberto. I'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. Yeah, all right. I am Hans. And I am Franz, and we, we just, just want, want to pop your... Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Rising up, back on the street. Oh, yeah, this guy. My time, took my chances. This was like the first audition they did, right? They remastered this to make it sound better when it was released. I just remember the we played this, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago, and yeah. I got multiple emails. Hate mail. Hate mail. Hate mail. I got actual hate mail for playing this. 
Oh, man. Yeah. All right, that's tough. <laughs> I would think it'd be really hard to work out to this song. <laughs> I would, too. I don't. Get... You'd be laughing so hard. It's, it's a good stomach workout. Oh. These, this is solid gold. All right. Let's get back to the phones. 888-914-9149. How about Gloria in Rochester Hills, Michigan? Hi, Gloria. Hey, Patrick. I hey. just wanted to call. Just kind of felt a little inspired by the Holy Spirit this morning. Okay. I spoke to you maybe 16 years ago when you were at Catholic Answers. I was contemplating coming into the church at that time, and I was, uh, Father John Ricardo was mentoring me a little bit. I was meeting with him, and I still had questions, and I can't even remember what I called to ask you, Mm -hmm. but you said something to me, and it just still tears me up because I think it was the first time I'd heard it. I was, you know, uh, evangelical, and coming into the church was hard. I have a whole family with a pastor, a Baptist pastor, and anyhow, you said, welcome home. Mm. And I hadn't even pulled the trigger yet. And I just have to tell you that I just discovered you on Relevant Radio. You are now broadcasting on some station in Michigan. It's 103.1. And I said, oh my gosh, how did that come up on my, because I don't listen to FM radio but I was hitting the radio thing in this car and it just popped up to that. And I was like, that Patrick Madrid. And so I have been, now I'm torn between you and Cy Kellett. So there you go. So I, I can break that tie for you. (laughs) (laughs) Cy's a great guy. Cy has been a friend for many years. Good man. And um, I'm a big fan of Catholic answers. I actually, Interesting you mentioned that, Gloria. I, I left Catholic Answers after eight great years there almost 30 years ago. But I think what you're referring to, I must have been a guest on the Catholic Answers live program. Is that, what, is that where we I think so, because talked? you were answering questions. And I was such a newbie to, the, to that, I didn't even know anything about Catholic radio. I just happened upon that station, and you were answering a question. So it was it was almost like uh, coincidence that time as well. Not only then, but now. Yeah, it was just strange. It was really odd. And I just wanted to tell you that I admire your work, and I just love your calmness in your. It, it just was wonderful, and I just want to tell anybody who's listening that is thinking and investigating Catholicism. I was a convert from Mm -hmm. Lutheranism to being a, quote, born-again Christian for 40 years. Mm. All my family is still that way. And I came into the church kicking and screaming, but I will tell you, the last 16 years of my life have been filled with such truth and beauty and struggle and pain and doubt, but it's like like Shrek and the Onion. You Mm -hmm. get one little thing. God doesn't make you eat everything at once. He gives you it piece by piece by piece. And he loves you into his truth. You just have to say, I surrender. I just give it to you, Jesus. If this is true, you will lead me. And he has. And I just felt, again, like he led me to listen to relevant radio. And I, I, Mm. it just, I just. You're so kind, Gloria, for you to take a few minutes from your busy day 
to call in and share this with me. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Well, it just that. means a lot to me that you are still there and you're still doing what you do. And we will take the world one soul at a time. And that's what you're doing. So thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Gloria. Praise well, once Jesus again, Christ. now and forever, once again, Amen, welcome brother. home. I'm glad oh, our paths crossed that. again. You're going to make me cry and blubber. <laughs> thank you so much. God bless you. You're welcome. Thank you, Gloria. Yeah, my only suggestion would be to load the Relevant Radio app on your phone. That way you'll never have to search for the station in your area. It'll always be there crystal clear on the Relevant Radio app. What a beautiful thing. Cyrus, I love things like that. 16 years later, huh? That is amazing. What a beautiful call. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Gloria. That yeah. that made my day. And and uh, I mean she's she said, you know, she doesn't she likes you or or Cy. Mm-hmm. You Gloria, you can call me Cy. <laughs> Cyrus, Cy, yeah. It works. How shall we spell it? S I G H? How do you prefer? <laughs> that's how my wife that's how she Says. spells it. Yeah. S I G H. Uh yeah, Cy Kelt's a good man. I like him. And uh, being a proud Catholic Answers alum, I'm always happy to recommend their good work as well. Catholic.com is their website. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Jordan in Sacramento. Good morning, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Doing pretty well. Not too bad for a sinner. (laughs) Well, I had a question. I was tuning in last night. Um, Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't really consider myself a very religious Catholic, but I considered myself cultural and I, okay. I was uh, listening to your take on the, the border situation. Okay. Um, and I, I was, I was wondering why you would uh, choose the largely Protestant evangelical South um, over, I, I guess, Catholic Biden, obviously, you, you know, the divide's not that big, especially with, with Biden. He's not really uh, a strong Catholic, but uh, the South is very uh, I've heard that. evangelical. So, yeah. So I, why would I, I choose? Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I never even thought I've never even thought of it in those categories, so this is new to me. But I'll be happy to give it a shot. Um I don't think of myself as choosing between a Catholic president, we can put an asterisk next to that, um yeah, or a Protestant evangelical state because after all, I mean, I don't have the breakdown in front of me, but the number of Catholics in Texas is quite significant. Yeah, I believe it's yeah. higher than the national average, which is I think 18 of the country is Catholic, last I checked. So I don't think of it in those terms. It's not like I'm choosing between two tribes, you know, that I I choose this tribe over that tribe. As I read the the information that's coming in, certainly as I read Governor Abbott's statement yesterday, the Constitution of the United States actually calls for this. It says that if a state is invaded then it has the right to do X, Y, and Z. And we talked about that. You heard it last night when you heard the replay. Yeah. Well, so, I, got, I got the very last then, but yeah. Okay, yeah. So so that would be one reason. One is that the, the law, the Constitution calls for this. Number two, the people in Texas, many of whom I know and love, I have dear friends who live in Texas, and mm-hmm. their, their health and well-being is in jeopardy because of the cartels and the just out-of-control open border people coming through. We talked, you heard me talk about young men of military age and potential uh, dire threats that they may pose, things of that nature. So to me, this is a, a crisis that needs to be dealt with immediately. And the only person yeah. who's willing to do that is the governor. 
not the president. Yeah. He's not willing to do it. So I'm siding with the guy who's going to get something done on behalf of his yeah. people. For me, that's how I, I sort of slice and dice it. Does that make more sense now? Yeah, well, uh, very quickly, uh, um, I, I, I presume Abbott uh, is uh, some, some sort of Protestant. So I, 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 personally, as a cat. Yeah, personally, as a Catholic, I think I'd, um, I'd you know, I'd, especially since the, the the situation that caused this, it wasn't a military age man; it was uh, two kids and a woman that drowned. I, I'd rather take my uh, Catholic brothers and sisters from Mexico or Guatemala or Italy or wherever Ukraine uh, coming here than uh, Greg Abbott. I mean, I, I don't think Greg Abbott is the best representation for our community. Based on what? Um, well, well, the invasion thing, I don't, I don't think it was an invasion. I mean, well, it, well, specifically in this situation, you know, it was, it was two minors and a woman. I don't, I don't think they uh, could pose any real serious threat. And then I guess it's Wait a in minute. general. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you actually trying to reduce the whole crisis to two minors and a woman? I mean, the, the story that happened with them is tragic. That's for sure. But are you reducing all of it just down to them? You're not paying attention to the the vast number. I mean, it's into the millions now in the last few years of people who have come through the borders. I mean, it's not just um, two minors yeah, and a yeah, woman. Yeah. yeah um, but to that, I'd say, I mean, you know, crime in America is at an all time low. It's just being sensationalized by a certain, you know, three letter uh, organizations and uh, news companies. But I, I think um, there, it's not really a, an invasion. I think it's mostly Protestant Republicans trying to Capital. I mean, they've always done this. Um, I guess whatever the conservative party may be at the time, they've scared uh, the the native population into a new foreign population, whether it be the Jews, uh, just Eastern Europeans in general, and then the Italians. And then now I think they're just doing it, but for Latin Americans. I think you're off your rocker, if that's what you think. I think you're you're not even paying attention to the reality of what's going on there. we have, for example, I mean, don't you care about the kids who are being trafficked across that border? I mean, even just that, the human trafficking that goes on all day, every day, should be in itself enough to want to rise up and put a stop to it. Um, the cartel violence, the the rapes, the, the terrible things are going on that require real assistance and just leaving the border open like that is the opposite of what needs to be done to help these people. My family comes from from Mexico, by the way, Jordan. I'm 100% Mexican on my dad's side. And they all came from Mexico, Chihuahua and elsewhere. So, I mean, I have in living memory uh, family members who had to make that trip. And I have deep family roots in Mexico. So I love the Mexican people and the Mexican culture. And the last thing I want to see is them risking a terrifying and and harrowing journey being packed into the back of trucks, you know, by the dozens often dying on the way being preyed upon by the coyotes being, and I'm talking about the human coyotes being um, raped, being trafficked. I mean, that's a terrible thing that's going on. And, and, and our Catholic president, Joe Biden doesn't want to do a single thing about it. And I don't like that. For me, and you shouldn't um, like that either. I think uh, it, it mostly comes down to American policy. Like, you know, um, Reagan had a lot of Latin American, uh, I guess you could call them right-wing death squads. They made the cocaine that came up here, and it's still causing the problem, you know. It just shifted the path from going through the Caribbean now through Central America. It's easier to go through land. I think we should personally, uh, we should work with these Latin American governments 
to crack down on the cartels there instead of just turning people away at the border. I think America has quite the, especially with Roman Catholics, of being able to readily absorb them without, you know, converting them to any other religion, um, keeping our, our culture. Uh, I, I just don't think that uh, turning people away from these dangerous situations is the best policy. I think the, the GOP and the Democrats, I'm not a Democrat, by the way. Should Ukraine turn the Russians away from its borders as the Russians are trying to come in? Um, well, th- th- that's different. That's an active invade. That's a foreign mil- Putin call. You know, and yeah. Manuel Lopez at the door didn't call a special mm-hmm. military operation. Well, I understand that. You've got tanks and, and troops and things like that. But, I mean, is the border worth enforcing? I mean, should should people, should countries have a right to say, you can't come in, you can't come in this way, or not? I, and, and, and this country has a right to enforce its borders. It, it, you can't really have a country if you don't have borders. Don't you? I mean, I assume you live in a house. You have a house or an apartment. Don't you have a say as to who is allowed to come into your house and when? Well, that's different. That's my personal space. Like my Yeah, but this country is our personal space. It's an extension of the individual. You, know, you as a homeowner have a right to decide who comes into your home. And well, if you... I don't mean to be cool, but you know, mm-hmm. I could be like, you know, without a shirt on, you know, in my house. I can't really do that, you know, in, in the country. I, I think it's a little bit of a scale issue. I, I just personally think that uh, we should allow, I don't think we should allow everybody in, absolutely not. I think we should allow certain people that have, you know, they can prove themselves. Uh, we could send the rest back. But I think the majority... That's are, not happening on our border. <laughs> people aren't being vetted. People are not, I mean, there is no vetting process for, for these huge gaping holes in the in the border where people are just coming through. We don't know where they're coming from, where they're going to, what their names are, what their vaccination status is. And for some people, that's very important. So, I mean, I would think you would think those are important things to know before we just allow millions of people to come in. It, it's just well, chaotic and dangerous. Status, you know, that, that's not, that's not the might. biggest issue. But um, <laughs> I thought you might agree with that. But what I'm saying is it's chaotic and dangerous. And, and it is so rampant right now that it's creating an ex- not just an extremely dangerous situation for the people who are coming across the border but for the people who live in the communities on this side of the border it's dangerous for them yeah it's harmful to them we don't we owe them our own citizens a kind of duty to to look after them and protect them oh uh, yes absolutely um but you know as I said, you know, America has a long history of immigration. You and I, I am also of Mexican ancestry. You know, we, we on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't have been here if it was, pro- I presume you, you're, you came here post-1965 with the Hart Seller Act. So Yeah, no, I was, I was born in Los Angeles in 1960. My father was born uh, just over the Mexican border into the United States in El Paso in 1937. And it wasn't that long before that that the that his side of the family, um, especially on his mom's side, had to flee from Mexico and come up. But they came up legally, and they yeah. you know they did whatever was needed to do in those days. But um, yeah, I mean, but even that doesn't really matter. You brought up the issue of the of the border as it is now. And people are dying and being raped and being trafficked. And we have uh, bad guys potentially who are coming in and dispersing for who knows what nefarious pers- purpose. There's a lot of bad going on there. 
But uh, And that's why you got back to your original question, Jordan. That's why I support Governor Abbott. I don't care if he's Protestant. I don't know if he's Protestant. He might be Catholic. He might be Protestant. I don't yeah, know. I, but it doesn't matter to me. Wary of, 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 Protestants have a very long history of uh, being very, very far right, you know. And I think Catholics, we should stand up as a bulwark. Bill Clinton well was Catholic Protestant. And, Barack Obama was Protestant. Al Gore is Protestant. You know, Protestant. I mean, you, no, Hitler was a baptized a Catholic. So yeah, no. we've had we've had now um, two Catholic presidents total: John F. Kennedy and now yeah. Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, if you stack him up as a Catholic in terms of like, does he conform to Catholic teaching on things like, I don't know, abortion, for example? He's about as far away from the Catholic Church as you can possibly get ideologically in some yeah. ways. And someone like Ronald Reagan, who was a lifelong Protestant, he embodied something far more, uh, far closer to the Catholic Church's moral principles. So well, isn't that odd? W w with Obama and Clinton, yeah, they were Protestant, but they, w they weren't good people. You know this very well, you know, with what Obama did in Libya and I, I believe it was Yugoslavia, right, with um, Clinton. So... I mean, there there goes to show, right? Like these, uh, I don't think Protestants can generally be trusted um, with their track record of being very militant, very far right. I think Catholics. Well, these are far left guys we're talking about, though, Jordan. I mean, both Obama and Clinton were very far left. Obama more so. Um, you see what I, I'm saying? I, the, the Protestant Catholic thing to me is irrelevant for something like I, this. No, I mean, I I would I would. I would put them more center left. I don't think they were very left wing, but it's just to me, you know, with all, with all the history of these, you know, Protestants running around, especially for Catholics, you know, the ma the biggest uh, mass lynching in the United States was against Italian Catholics by Protestants. I I'm just very wary of this of this alliance that we're we're forming with them time and time again. It's proven, you know, that um, I would rather I would rather support. If he's Protestant, I don't care. I would rather support the governor of Texas who is doing something that, by the way, he's charged to do by virtue of his office and the oath that he took to protect his people. The federal government should be doing this. They're derelict in their duty. In fact, they're beyond derelict because the federal government is proactively trying to undo anything that would help protect people on this border and on, on both sides of it. So, yeah. You know, he, he could be um, Catholic or Protestant. To me, it doesn't matter. I'm going to support him because he's doing the right thing. Interesting conversation, Jordan. I hope you'll call me back. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And I'll be right back. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com slash join. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash join. At the intersection of faith and culture, The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Wait for it. If you haven't heard this before, there's a payoff. Cyrus, I wish I had known this when I was chatting with that gentleman a few minutes ago. Remember that conversation I had a minute ago about the border? Remember that one? Yes. I. How could I forget? <laughs> it was great. 
I somehow didn't know, and I apologize for not knowing this, but Governor Greg Abbott is a Catholic. Wait, say say again. <laughs> Wait, I thought aren't we? Supposed I wish to, I had known it. We're in, supposed in, to listen to Biden because he's Catholic, and so we should be on the well, federal government's side, right? Isn't that was that, the theory. The, wasn't that the argument? That was the theory, but we should be. We should pay, as I understood the caller to mean that we should make alliances with Catholics because those terrible Protestants. He didn't say that, but I think it was sort of an undertone that they can't be trusted or worse to that effect. Well, it turns out, I wish I still had the gentleman on the phone with me. Governor Abbott is a Catholic. So does, does that change your position on this issue now that you know that he's a Catholic? By the way, I'm sure people are sitting down to their emails. Let me think. One, 10 emails have come in. Governor Abbott is a Catholic. Governor Abbott is a Catholic. Uh Hey, Patrick, Governor Abbott is a Catholic. I've gone through five. Governor Abbott is a Catholic. Uh, no, that's not that. Governor Abbott is a Catholic. I've gotten over 10 emails now from people quick to point out that Governor Abbott is a Catholic. Thank you, guys. Hey, and thank, thank Jordan for calling in. That was he's That's a good listener a good and call. caller. And so, yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, that's, that, was, that was great. So please yeah. call again, Jordan. I have a note that came in from, I don't know, I think his first name is Jarrell, if I have it right. And he says, the Patrick, the guy you're talking to needs to travel to the border. Maybe he will run into the guy who made the threats on the video going around. Have him come to San Antonio and see how it's turning into San Francisco. Ooh. Yeah, well, I love the great state of Texas. I, I love these United States of America. I've got a lot of fondness and a lot of friends and loved ones who live in Texas. I've spent a lot of my life in Texas. I never lived there, but I traveled there many, many times. And I love it. And I don't want to see the, the good people of Texas, whatever their creed may be, being put in danger the way they're being put in danger now. So I, I have no hesitation whatsoever to stand up and say... Under these circumstances, I support the Catholic governor of Texas. Never met him. Probably never will. And I really don't care for these purposes of this discussion whether or not he's Catholic. But the fact that he is Catholic is even better. So now I can proudly say I support the Catholic governor of Texas who's doing the right thing over against the dereliction of duty on the part of the federal government. And um, I have no hesitation to say that publicly. And enthusiastically. Let's see. Uh, we'll get to... And by the way, thank you. Twelve of you now have written in to say that Governor Abbott is a Catholic. Thank you. You don't need to email me anymore. I know he's a Catholic, and I appreciate that. Um, hey, Governor Abbott, if you're listening, I wonder if Governor Abbott listens on the Relevant Radio app or on one of our stations in Texas. We should find out. Let's see. Let's go to Joanne in Bayside, New York, that is. Good morning, Joanne. Hey, good morning, Patrick. Um, I really love your opinion and, you know, just have a lot of respect for you. Thank so you. with The Chosen premiere of season four coming out next Thursday, a couple of weeks back I heard a caller talk to you about that, and he was a little um, upset that you didn't approve of the series. And mm. as a Catholic myself, and I'm, I read the Bible, I'm doing Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmidt, um, why do you, you didn't say what reasons you had, and since I do respect your opinion immensely, wanted to find out you. what your opinion was on that. Why sure. Okay. Sure, I'll, I'll give my thoughts. Sure. So I'll lead with this. Number one, uh, Jonathan Rumi, the actor who plays Jesus, very talented actor. Um, 
I admire his skill and, you know, I, th- I think that he is a real strong, maybe the strongest uh, of the actors. And there are quite a few actors in, in, and I've seen season one. I haven't seen season two yet. Um, so I just want to lead with that. Um, it's good production values, good acting, and I have nothing negative to say about any of those things. So I'm not against The Chosen. It just doesn't light my fire. And the main reason I would say is that I disagree with some of the casting choices, in particular, the wonderful actress who portrays Our Lady, whom I'm sure is a very nice person, nothing against her whatsoever. But by contrast, the actress who plays or who portrays St. Mary Magdalene is, she should have been cast as Mary, the mother of Jesus because she lights up the room. She's magnetic. She is beautiful, that's true. Uh, But she has a kind of magnetic presence that, as a Catholic, if I were in charge of casting, I would have cast her in that role. She looks the age part, and you know, you can age actresses or make them look younger, so that's not an obstacle in itself. But I think that those two women are terribly miscast. She's good as St. Mary Magdalene, but she would have been even better as the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it's a preference issue. It's a, it's a matter of aesthetics, and everybody has a different aesthetic. But I would say that on, on, on balance, that casting doesn't suit my aesthetic. It doesn't suit my understanding of the Gospels and the story of Mary, etc. So that's one issue. The other issue, and I think maybe the only other issue that I mentioned was that in spite of his brilliant acting, I think that the way that Jonathan Rumi portrays Jesus is too casual, too much of a, hey, let's go hang out with Jesus, man, far out. I mean, he's like a likable guy. He doesn't have the kind of gravitas that I associate with Jesus from what I read in the Gospels. And and I am conditioned, I admit it, by earlier portrayals of Jesus, such as the one, um, I believe his name was Robert Powell, if I'm not mistaken, and he portrayed Jesus in the miniseries called Jesus of Nazareth, directed by Franco Zeffirelli Jr. And I am deeply struck by his portrayal of Jesus, and to me, again, this is my own aesthetic, my own perception, um, it corresponds, the way he portrayed Jesus, it corresponds far better with the Jesus I've met in the Gospels, the Jesus that I see and listen to and and think about uh, his portrayal is more like that Jesus for me. Now, on the other side, just to play devil's advocate, I'm very well aware, and many people have told me this, that the reason that they like the Jonathan Rumi version of the Jesus character is because he's much more relatable. He's much more approachable. He's much more likable. And in fact, I know for me this is counterintuitive, but in fact, for I, I would think most people... That's what they like so much about his portrayal of Jesus is that he doesn't have that gravitas, is that he doesn't come across as this sort of unapproachable or, you know, mysterious person. He's just like one of the family, one, you know, he's, he's a, a regular guy. So those two issues, and really those two issues are the only things I can think of, uh, are, are issues that I have, when asked, have talked about on the program. But... Um, I have taken note of the fact, Joanne, and I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are, but I have taken note of the fact that some people, not you, but some people have been offended and even angry with me that I don't like The Chosen as much as they do. I don't have anything against it. It's just not 
for the reasons I just mentioned, which I don't have to go back into again, but some people are, are downright offended by my opinion on this, and that puzzles me. So what do you think, Joanne? Well, first of all, thank you and for those thoughts. Um, and I respect your opinion. I would never be offended. I, the reason I called in is because I do respect your opinion, and if you, you had an objection in terms of the theology that comes across or the Bible stories, because then I wanted to hear it, because mm -hmm. I very quickly, after each episode, go back and match up the episode with the Scripture, mm. even though the producer-creator, Dallas Jenkins, said that he's not trying to um, present the Bible in so much as to get people interested in reading it themselves. Mm -hmm. So by portraying Jesus. And I have to tell you, since 2016, I came back to the faith, um, after a long time of being away, and I started reading the Bible. In my church, I got a Catholic Bible, and I started mm -hmm. reading it. And until I watched The Chosen, it was just a haphazard moment when I saw one of the first episodes of Jesus Outside Crying, looking mm -hmm. up. It's the very first episode. He's all alone, starting his ministry before he chose anybody. And I, I, I just got caught by that humanity of Jesus. You know, to all too often, I know you made a reference to the Hollywood mm -hmm. portrayals previous, but they didn't grab me as much. They always presented Jesus as otherworldly, and he was totally, as Catholic Church says, he's 100% um, human and 100% divine. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely, you know, something that we can't wrap our human minds around. But it was really wonderful for me, having read Jesus' words in the Bible, being very familiar with the Bible stories, to see a Jesus that could understand me. He's my high priest. He's the one and only mediator. The book of Hebrews, mm -hmm. I think, says that. All these words had became flesh and bones to me. And I think Jonathan Rumi, who is a Catholic, by the way, he, he doesn't, he's a very humble man. And he actually says he prays and receives the Eucharist before he goes out to portray. And he just hopes that he is just an empty vessel and the Holy Spirit. So I would just say, if you didn't see season two and season three, they would knock your socks off. And, socks off. And regarding Mary, actually, at first I was a little put off, but I really love her because she also was human. She wasn't otherworldly. I, I too often see her as a queen with roses and, you know, a little bit too regal. And I loved seeing this peasant woman from Nazareth and, and how... She, she was, in every scene you see with her in it, she always wants to help. Give me a broom, do this. And the very first mm -hmm. words when Jesus, when, when he tell, she tells him they have no more wine, and I love when she turns to the servant and says, do whatever he tells you and walks away. And the reverence that Rumi, as Jesus, shows the mother is very, very, very powerful. So Yeah, I, I, I don't argue with any of those things, Joanne. To me, it doesn't strike me quite the same way, but, you know, vive la différence, right? I appreciate the call, and I'll be right back with more right after this. Now, 